0: The Zoo Club in Kilkenny was the place to be on a Sunday afternoon in the mid-2000s. Since its inception, it provided a home to all lovers of rock and metal. At the weekend, people of all ages would converge on Parliament Street and step underground to immerse themselves for four hours in a world that nobody else knew about. In this documentary, we look at how the club played a crucial role in the development of a bubbling Kilkenny music scene. Now, over a decade has passed since the zoo hit the lights and shut down, and many people are still yearning for its return. With that in mind, it's important to acknowledge and pay our respects to a time in so many people's lives that will never be forgotten. So, join me on this pure nostalgia trip down those fable steps once again. This is the zoo it's been so long. Hi, I'm Shane O'Keefe, a regular gig goer to the zoo and lead singer of the band formerly known as Infected Prayer. Less said about that name the better. I, like many others, place the zoo firmly within my heart. It was a club where diversity was celebrated, a place that became a breeding ground for artists to allow creativity to blossom. Thousands of people have passed through the doors over the years, each person with their own stories, their own favourite memories, their own bonds created. None of that would have happened without the initiative shown by one man. Andrew McGuinness. People may know the name because he's forged a very successful political career for himself. At the time of our conversation, Andrew occupied the role of Mayor of Kilkenny, however many people are unaware of his huge contributions to the Kilkenny music scene. Andrew was integral to establishing the zoo as an avenue for hopeful musicians, a constant in the scene, and as the head honcho behind the operation, he gave a pathway for thousands of Kilkenny youths to express themselves
1: the first gig that I held in the zoo I think was 2001 um, I would have been 20, uh, 21 years old and before that there was what they called the Mosh Almighty it was held in Mary's Hall which is now the Medieval Mile Museum um, and as a teenager growing up in Kilkenny that's what I always went to I was never big into uh, sports uh, and all that kind of stuff I was always, as you described, people who came to the zoo misfits and, and music lovers and things like that that's who I was when I was a teenager um, and we'd go to the on Almighty every uh, second Sunday during the day just like the underground gigs in the zoo um, and you'd have bands like uh, Victimised um, they were one of the main metal bands at the time that we all kind of loved uh, of course Curb Dog were were big on the scene back then as well Um, but they would have when they were playing at more of a local level they would have been in places like the Brogue Maker and that was a little bit before uh, my time Um, but I remember bands like Gout and I remember going to the Fugazi gig in in Friary Street in Friary Hall where uh, for he played and uh, Gout supported him, and it was just amazing. And I was lucky enough to get in through the door as a as a young lad, and um, standing up on top of the the speakers, looking down, and we all did stage dives and all all the stuff that I tried to stop you guys doing in the zoo. I did all that myself, <laughs> and I used to love seeing lads coming in, and I could see them at the side of the stage in the zoo, and I knew he's getting ready to he's getting ready to hop on the stage and do a stage dive. And sometimes I turned a blind eye, and more times I'd I'd tried to stop him. But I was that guy as well. And that's where it came about for me. There was a gap. There was Battle of the Bands back then when I was growing up as well. Um, And there was a gap. The All Ages gig stopped in in Mary's Hall. Um, The Battle of the Bands stopped. There was a good five, between five and eight years where there was no scene at all. A bit like right now, um, there was no scene at all for uh, young musicians, underage musicians to play. And I just thought, well, I was in a band at the time. Uh, I was in college studying media production and sound engineering Um, I had a pile of equipment um, and staging and lighting and I thought well I really want to get that scene going again and uh, I went to Brendan and Tony and Parig Morrissey who uh, had the zoo club at the time, I was friendly with them, those guys understand music they were in my little fun house they have a, a love of music as well and I thought well they'd be the perfect people that might be interested in something like this so I went down to them And I said, look, can I organise an all-ages gig? Um, And I suppose a club owner wouldn't have seen the benefit in that there's not going to be much money made because they're not selling alcohol. Um, But I had the idea that if you had an all-ages gig, you'll have the bands playing, you'll have their parents might want to come in and see them, and their friends. So there was always a real kind of community, family-type atmosphere in there, and everyone was welcome. But that's where it started, really. There was a... Uh, I had loved that type of scene when I was growing up as a teenager. It had stopped, and I just wanted to bring it back again. Um, I never ever uh, thought that it would last so long, and that it would have such an impact on the youngsters coming to it, and on me personally. Um, and I would never have expected that, you know, over ten years after the last gig I ran, that I'd be sitting here doing an interview, uh, documenting that whole period. It really, it's it's really nice to know that. Yeah, it had such a positive impact on people.
0: In the 90s, Kilkenny had a bright and varied music scene. Bands such as Gout regularly sold out shows. Then, of course, Curb Dog, who found mainstream appeal in the UK, ended up cracking the UK top 40 with the song Dummy Crusher from their critically acclaimed self titled album. Bands like Curb Dog and Gout and Victimised helped pave the way for future bands to come. And after a lull in the late 90s, one band managed to cross over. And that's Slave Zero. A constant in the music scene with Slave Zero and his other band, Nearly Dead Jim. This is Bob Ryan.
2: The one thing that did happen, I mean, like obviously, I, kind of when I hit like 10 or 11 years old, I would have been Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, kind of into that. Like, and all stemmed from being in Cure on the Pixies when I was a kid. Um, but when I hit like 13, I just, uh, my cousin, Billy was playing in Curb and I got to meet him and talk to him. And uh, it was, you know, like obviously I knew him growing up as a, as a very young child. But like, you know, it's a, it a different story now. It's like he's playing in a really, really big band. They're touring Europe with Helmet and all these other great bands. And uh, yeah, I was just over in his house talking to him and he's just showing me all this really cool stuff um, and just kind of from there, like I'm just like, wow, it's just amazing to see a band from Uncle Kenny kind of get on an international level. Uh, so that was the kind of first start of it. And then next thing you know, I met up with a couple of friends who were playing music and there was like a uh, gigs on the Friary Hall in Kilkenny. So this would have been around 1994, 95. And there was loads of bands playing. And like, you know, the popular bands were, of course, Curbed Dog, but they were more like, you know, they were already kind of like playing uh, Europe. But the local bands were kind of uh, gout, uh, victimized. Uh, and just a, a shed load of other kind of rock and metal bands. Um, but, you know, everyone was kind of a similar age, like maybe around the 14, 15, up to 18 kind of kind of time. And Ferrari Hall was a big one. And then Mary's Hall as well had a few big gigs. So yeah, like, I mean, it was a perfect opportunity for me to get into music. And most of the music was actually hard rock and metal. Like it was all pretty heavy stuff. Um, because the real popular bands at the time in the metal scene were like Sepultura, Biohazard, Metallica, Pantera. Bands like that were kind of really, like, like a lot of people liked them around the team. Uh, it was a very much, for me, it was a young man's game anyway, definitely teenagers and early 20s.
1: Andrew McGuinness. What I really strived to do at the time was, you know, I didn't think it was good enough for youngsters like me to be in a band and play through uh, you know a crappy guitar amp in a community hall uh, or a parish hall somewhere with no PA system sound like you know rubbish because you don't have a good sound system no lighting no nothing and uh, I thought that the best way to do this would be to have a proper uh, sound system lighting system stage and setup that you would expect for to have a professional band in a professional venue and the Bands absolutely loved it. Like the, the system was huge in there. The, it got better and better as the gigs got better because uh, if we made any money, we'd pump it into equipment and we'd have deadly lighting rigs and all that kind of stuff. And the bands loved it and the crowd loved it. Um, you know, we went too far sometimes with smoke machines and stuff like that. And, <laughs> you know, we forgot that we're not in do 2 that we're only in a small club in Kilkenny. Uh,
2: but it really was. It really was great fun. Bob Ryan All I wanted to do. When you're playing in the, especially when you're playing in the metal band is you just want to try and be taken seriously and you meet so many amateurs when you're playing gigs uh there's so many people who don't have real like they might have passion for what they're doing but they don't have the kind of work ethic that you need to put behind that like it's actually it's actually a strange one i was just thinking about it today before i talk I was thinking, why did I love the Kilkenny gigs so much in the zoo? Is it because I'm from Kilkenny? Is that like, a am I biased? I'm like, no. I played so many gigs in Carlo and Cork and Belfast and a lot, mainly around uh, Ireland as much as I could. But I met so many people who would just be at the gigs. Just say, I don't know, we'll take Carlo, for instance. People coming up to me going, can I borrow your snare? Can I borrow your sticks? I'd just be like, damn, this never happens in Kilkenny. Like everyone's got their head together. Like everyone's playing these gigs and they're kind of like, it would never happen. Ever. Like we had a couple of instances and the instances were actually were bands that we brought down <laughs> from other counties. But all the Kilkenny bands I ever played with, everyone would go on stage and they all have their own stuff together. And I just always admired that. I was like, you know, because that's what I felt. I felt like you need to have your head together when you're playing gigs. You need to be really organized. It's a really, really difficult thing to do to pull off a successful show. It's not just the gig. Like people think, oh yeah, the gig went well. I'm like, yeah, it went well because we worked hard. We got the music tight. We played a good show. We promoted it. We got the word out there. We got the support. We got a good sound man. We got a good venue. We got good security at the venue. We got sound, a great booker, like Andrew, booking the gigs. And we got like uh, great staff in the venue. So it's just, there's so much there. Like so many things that just have to knit together. And the zoo for me was that. It was fantastic.
1: Andrew McGuinness all the guys that went there were part of it and um, they helped with the equipment logging it in and out every day there was always a group of lads waiting to help carry the stuff in carry the stuff out help me clean up at the end of the day um it was just it was a kind of a community effort i think for the bands themselves they appreciated it so much and because i was organizing it but i was also doing everything I was the bouncer, I was the sound man, I was putting the posters together uh, I had, and I was blessed to have Benjamin Keaton putting up the posters, he was brilliant at it, he got them everywhere. But because everyone going to it saw the amount of work that I was putting into it, they were all willing to help and everybody helped and they wanted to preserve it and to keep it because these things like the Mosh Almighty or uh, gigs that went before the zoo gigs, they they tend to go in in cycles and phases where they might last six months and then they disappear and never happen again. And I think a lot of the youngsters and the bands wanted to make sure that this wasn't going to disappear, that it was going to stay there and that they were going to have it.
0: The huge positive influence the club had over a generation of people cannot be understated. Successful groups like Atrax Mantis went on to support some of the world's biggest death metal bands. Or Scuba Dice, they made their television debut as contestants in a national TV show called You're a Star. Now we're going to hear from Steve O'Brien, Evan Prendergast and Shane Corcoran. They all started off as fans who became performers and then went on to maintain a career in the arts. First up is Steve O'Brien, lead singer and guitarist of Kilkenny band O'Brien, who has recently supported legendary Irish act
3: Aslan. The early memories were just um you know a group of people that liked rock music, really. Um I mean Kilkenny is, has always had a good music scene for other styles of music, but you know, f- me myself specifically, uh, it, it was difficult to find an area where there was rock music. And so the zoo to me was like you know those sunday afternoons going down listening to loud bands um yeah and just just the energy and and feeling of of being at a venue where there's a live rock band playing and you're feeling the bass you're feeling the kick drum like you know it's 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 in your face uh, and the energy i just I'll, I'll never forget the energy of the gigs down there and the feeling that like everyone was there absolutely loved being there and it was like you know you felt part of that clique it was it was it was like its own little kind of cult so for me like you know it just the zoo was just that area for rock music and for people to come down be able to express themselves, play all different types of music and most importantly to have an outlet to do it.
0: Next up is Evan Prendergast whose love of all things music stemmed from playing in the zoo with bands such as Take the Bullets. Evan now plays in a metal group Worn Out along with running Dead Cult Promotions a promotional company based in Cork City dedicated to bringing the best music to Cork from touring bands to local
4: bands. There is no way I would be as involved with music or pushed forward with music even an iota of what i am now if it wasn't for seeing regular gigs learning how to book a gig how to promote a gig how sound checks work how this and this like there was a community there was like the battle of the bands was my world cup do you know what i mean like i didn't i like football, but I kind of fell off it and like, you know, fell into the devil's lap of rock music or whatever. <laughs> but like the battle of the bands were literally my World Cup. I was like per heat, I was like, I think these are gonna get through for this. I think these, you know and having it like I think with with the actual battle of the bands, it, it wasn't every two weeks. It was every week. And yeah. you're just like building up to this and just seeing like I actually I think the only time a band that I was in entered the Battle of the Bands was during the sound check We decided we'd break up So as we did the set we announced This is actually our last gig And I remember um, talking to Ken McGuire and Alan Dawson years later about it They were like you could have gone through And I was like yeah I was, I was fucking done with that band <laughs> I was like one of those things where I was like Look we need to be looking at gigs out here and doing this And they were like oh that's a bit." And I was like well this is the last gig I'm doing Because I'm not like What was the name of the band? Mantra right we actually released an album as well like uh, and i remember um we went and recorded it got like rough mixes didn't really know what mixing was we just did it all live then i came home and on my computer i had like on my right a full stack of um like cdrs and i would just Uh, rip the CD until that stack became the stack on my left (laughs) and then I would print off everything like the actual album artwork and everything and just cut it out and put it in and we didn't even sell them we just gave them away it's like here you go Now we hear from Shane Corker a
0: Kenny Death Metal artist who boasts numerous EPs in his back catalogue he's also the winner of the battle of the bands with his four piece group Crucifracture
5: I would have been what like 15, 16 kind of starting out Getting into like playing music, as in, you know, the the want kind of like pick up a guitar and like emulate the heroes you see like James Hetfield or you know like Kerry King, all the big, the big really big bands like before getting into obviously like the heavier kind of more underground bands. To be young and to be able to go to a gig at a very young age, the all like the all ages gigs and stuff like that, or sneak into the ones on Friday night which we did as well. It it was it was brilliant. Like we were blown away. Like all these fast drums and aggressive vocals and lads headbanging and stuff like we were like wow this is this is something like you know it was leading to like something bigger i think like and it was kind of because of that that really led to other people starting to learn how to play that music which was like you know cool as well because then you're learning off your friends and they're kind of like oh i'm getting this new bass and you're like oh i want to play that and it was it was just really cool time like to get into music at that age
3: Steve O'Brien. I remember the first time, right, I bought a pair of Converse shoes, right? And I remember I bought them in Stevens Green, and I brought them back to Kilkenny, and I genuinely think, now, you'll probably get Bobbin after here, here or 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 maybe Jimmy Trigger or someone, but I I think I was one of the first people that I saw wearing Converse anyway. <laughs> but I remember the abuse I got for wearing Converse, you know, from, from, like, you know, colleagues at school that maybe were into sport that wore Nike runners. I know this sounds small, but at the zoo, everybody wore converse. And I'll never forget that. Like, it's such a small thing, right? But why did I wear them? I wore them because well, Kirk Cobain wore them. Um, so I wanted to be like him. Like, I, I was obsessed with Nirvana when I was younger. Like, I was... Uh, and grunge music and that whole movement and Linkin Park and all that early kind of... Well, not... Early 90s, late 90s music. And, and, and I dressed like them. So I, I wore baggy pants, I wore Converse, and I, I remember stepping into the zoo, like, you know, on a Sunday, and everybody's wearing Converse, and everybody's wearing a Nirvana t-shirt, and everyone has baggy jeans, and, like, some people have long hair, like, and I remember just being like, oh, man, yeah, this is this, finally, you know, and, like, when the gigs end, you'd be hanging around outside, seeing who's going next week, you know, and it doesn't matter if, if it was sometimes the same bands playing, like, the following week, it'd still go down, because... That energy, man. You know the 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 energy of and and feeling of of being in the same room as other people that have a passion and and love what you love in the same way that you love it. Um, that's a special feeling, you know. And and that was probably the only place I probably ever felt that with music, where there's a lot of people in the same room, and um, that really love the same thing you love and. You know, sometimes I went down, man, and I didn't even know the bands. I went down to listen to the pre, like, the in-between music that Andrew, <laughs> Andrew McGinnis would play, you know. and Like, because I wanted to be in the same room that other people listened to the song I liked, you know what I mean? Because it just, it just didn't fly, you know, at home. Like, my you know, my parents didn't really like the same kind of music, and most of my friends in school didn't either. So that was an outlet for me to be able to go in and, and just instantly connect with people and have that... And have to explain, like, oh, you don't know Nirvana and it's like, Oh yeah, never mind like Territory pistons, track number five, yeah, yeah. The lads covered that last week and boom, you know what I mean? It's just the instant gratification and, and, and connecting with connection with people and yeah, it was just it was such a it was such a good time and like the age the age group of people that went there, like, you know, stemmed from myself at the time. I was probably sixteen. And like at that age, you know, you're so impressionable and like that's really when you form a lot of kind of the core of kind of what you like. You know, you, st- you kind of start figuring it out as a teenager um, and having kind of a, an area and a group of people and a venue to be able to kind of step into what you like to do and express yourself through music and be able to do that in front of other people that liked and loved that you know, it's, it's completely built my foundation for like, not just music, I guess, but just my career is built around sound engineering and like, yeah, it's just, it just sets the foundations for me as a person to kind of start the journey, which I'm still doing today of, of, of changing and being, you know, trying to be more confident of what I like and, and, you know, not being afraid of admitting stuff that I like or or whatever it may be, and it started, man, with those pair of Converse walking into that room, you know, where everyone was wearing the same clothes as me and and um, listening to the same music and singing the same lyrics, and seeing people f- even from sns the shop, you know, that I maybe would have saw over the years in the shop that I wanted to talk to, and like they're playing, and I I, I had an excuse to up to them and say, oh man, that was a great gig, or or whatever, you know, and what's really interesting actually what's really really interesting when i sit here and think about it is when i was younger man at that at that age and in, in that group scene of of the zoo like most of the people i looked up to musicians wise were actually in those bands they weren't rock stars like obviously i loved you know nirvana as an example but i looked up to people like in bands you know like a, like each trigger finger blew my mind and and day charger uh white noise um and the reason I started playing drums actually was another band I can't remember their name, but I remember seeing them in, like at a gig, and I actually have tattooed on my arm. They played the "Design for Life" uh, by the Man of Street Preachers, and I had a moment, <laughs> literally had a moment watching the lads cover this song. I know Jimmy Barnes was in that band, um, and I was like, I'm going to start playing music. Like, it, it it was so weird. It just, it hit me in that exact moment because the drummer looked so cool. <laughs> and they just, they were a really good band. And I remember just thinking, yeah, this is it. Like, this this is what I, this is what I'm going to do. Like, this is what I want to do. And I went home and literally begged, begged my dad to buy me a drum kit. And he he wouldn't for ages and ages and ages. But it was literally in that moment, man, that like, I just felt like, yeah, this this is what I want to do. And it's all because of the zoo and that, nurturing kind of environment that allowed you to go down and like what you liked you know and I think that's it's rare in life you get that these days because of the way you know a lot of things are gone on social media that it's you know it's harder kind of to be impressed because there's so much talent out there you can watch videos of bands on your phone you can watch them live streaming but it's irreplaceable the feeling of being at a gig and feeling a kick drum go (laughs) in your chest or like Feeling the bass nearly shaking you, um, and yeah, I'll just never forget like seeing that band and just yeah, I'm gonna start playing music. You know, it was it's ah, oh, it's incredible. Just th- thinking back to it, you know, I haven't really thought back in a long time, but I even seeing your band as well, man. You know, I even seeing my friends' band, like just that was another whole part of of the zoo as well. Was like every single one of my friends that I started to accumulate, like from going there, from different schools, were all in bands, and so. Like you talked earlier, about camaraderie, like that just went to a whole new level where you're sitting there watching your own friends play. You know, and like, oh you're on before us, no, no, oh, no, you're on before us. And like, oh no, well, where the headline then? No, nah, we're the headline and you know, and it didn't matter who's headline, but like you went on and like you were you were all there, like and and this is alcohol free as well, like no booze at all, you know, and God, like just you know I just think back to it, like, you know, my my, my dreams were so big you know, like I genuinely, genuinely believed that like I could be a famous musician. You know, and um, yeah, it all stemmed from just going to that club, man. You know, and 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 Andrew McGinnis setting that up, and yeah, just I,
4: I miss it. Like. Evan Prendergast. It became an absolute obsession. Mm. There was no kind of easing into it. I was like, I always knew I loved music. I was, you know playing it in my bedroom and stuff but once i saw it because it's one thing to go see metallica in the rds you're like okay that's amazing and that's influential and stuff but it's like you're aware of the a million steps that you have to go to to get to that level whereas when you start going to somewhere like the zoo and you're like that guy's my age i can do that as in what who do i have to talk to like i you know i remember like going up to andrew one of the first things one of the first things I ever said to Andrew, like I don't even know if he'll remember this, but I was like, Andrew, I don't have a band, but I will I wanna play here and I'll figure that out and I'll get back to you And he was like, Yeah, cool and just gave me his number and I was like, I will get back to you with a with a band and I will do this. Like it just blew my mind of going looking at the RDS with Metallica and then seeing like, Oh well it starts here, so this is where I need to pay attention to. Like to go back to Bob, it would be such a massive deal for me. I'd get, like, because Andrew would know that I loved Nearly Dead Jim, do you know? Mm. Like, they're not a metal band, but I'd love Slave Zero, and the other band that Bob was in was Nearly Dead Jim. Loved them both, and I remember getting, like, a text. I'll never forget it. I was getting a text on the way home from Port Leash to Kilkenny, and uh get a text from Andrew McGuinness just being like, uh, hey, uh, do you, does Mantra want to support um, Nearly Dead Jim? And to me, it was the equivalent Of getting asked to support metallica because Mm. for me it wasn't like you know there's big bands or whatever but because i was seeing it live it made it more real that i connected with it more so me seeing nearly dead Jim and having like their quality cd compared to like what we were doing at the time was just so far beyond that that it really made me feel like right these are, these are proper, like, you know, and still to this day, it's like, someone died to be the way to be... I love it, like, yeah. I, like, Bob has sent me their CDs, still have them, love them.
0: One of the most important initiatives from the Zoo Days was the Battle of the Bands. A tournament where over 30 bands in the county competed for the chance to record an EP. The atmosphere those days were electric and every year it provided an opportunity to pay off on a year's worth of work Andrew McGuinness
1: At the time I started the Battle of the Bands there wasn't enough bands in Kilkenny to have a proper competition to justify the you know the sponsorship I was getting you no know, recording sessions and things like that There wasn't enough bands in Kilkenny to, to do it so I opened it up to every to the southeast and we had a, a, a load of bands but leaving Kilkenny the title Leaving Kilkenny was was something I didn't want to see happen. Um, So we just made it a local competition. But because the gigs went on every second Sunday, it gave bands the chance to not just play in their garage to five or six friends anymore um, or their neighbours that are complaining. It gave them a stage to perform on and it gave them a social outlet and it created a scene. I unawaringly created a scene. I didn't set out to do that. I just wanted to put on the gigs. And when the scene was there, the bands just came out of the woodwork. I remember at one stage we had the Battle of the Bands lasting nearly two months. There were so many bands in it. Um, and they just came out of the woodwork. So the first Battle of the Bands was Penfold DM and it was the second Battle of the Bands that Itchy Triggerfinger won. And I think that around that period, that's where it started to really take off. With loads of bands in Kilkenny, um, you could, you'd walk down High Street and you'd see teenagers all dressed in, in the gear and you know I suppose all the stereotypes, emos, gots and all that kind of stuff can can be applied but to me I just looked at them and I suppose I just thought wow this is this is amazing that youngsters in Kilkenny are comfortable with dressing however way they like um, enjoying their friends, enjoying their music, enjoying their gigs and expressing themselves exactly how they want it and been really comfortable and happy with it. And a community of people, of like-minded people, evolved from that. I just thought that was probably one of the best things that ever came out of that whole era.
0: The alumni of Battle of the Band winners goes to show how varied the sound was in the zoo. From death metal acts like Crucifracture and Atrax Mantis, to the catchy pop rock sound of My Pet Jeep, the zoo was truly a home for different, distinctive music tastes. However, one of the earlier winners became synonymous with the Kilkenny music scene. Led by charismatic frontman James Doran, more commonly referred to as Jimmy Trigger, Itchy trigger Finger became a catalyst of what rock was going to be in Kilkenny. Since then, Trigger has gone on to forge a career for himself in the US. By being a singer in various rock bands, going on many US nationwide tours, Trigger has become a living, breathing success story emanating from the zoo.
6: When you say those things, I literally my skin started crawling. I was like, oh my God, I was that, I am that, I guess. Like... For me, and I don't know where it ever came from, from the the very first time I ever stepped on a stage in front of people. And in Kilkenny, I knew nobody. Like that right. first show that we played, they just knew me as, oh, that's your man from the, the music shop down on Kieran Street. You know? and I'm like, all right. And for whatever reason, just like, I'm not comfortable anywhere. Like I, I have like crippling social anxiety, which I realized in later years. I didn't know what that was. I was just drinking all the time, just to, <laughs> you know, as we all were like, you know having the crack and just like, Oh God, fuck. Um, Oh, I swore Damn it. Uh, but once I got on that, that I remembered it, I remember the very first day and I remember the the, the little team song I made to open up the show and I got up there and I was like, Holy, this is, this is home. I feel good. And I, I have never been nervous ever. Like it's just, and that's weird. Like I'm nervous right up until the second, the first note hits and then it's just like, this is where I belong. And the fun, I see pictures, Shane, and it's like, I'm just, and I never wore a tank top before. <laughs> so it was a big, like, because I was bullied all my all my uh, school years. Like, so for being like the chubby kid or the fat chap or whatever like that. So I was like, if I'm going to go up there, I'm going to go up there and be what I think like a rock star is. And I remember buying this tank top and uh, I stuck it on. I, I sold a, a Danzig logo on the chest of it. And I was like, I'm going to do this. like So, and then I got up and I had long black hair down. Down past me, and first song hit, and that was it. And then I don't know, man. That, 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 that those, that, that, those days made me. Like, I, I just, I didn't even know who I was until I did that, that day. Like, it was just, sorry, I'm babbling. It's just, you, again, you help my skin crawling, so it makes me feel weird.
1: <laughs> Andrew McGuinness. Jimmy Trigger, he, he lived it. He, he absolutely lived it and still does. Um he, he looks like a rock star. Yeah. He performs like a rock star and he acts like a rock star, but he's a, a genuine sound individual. Um, but he put his heart and soul into it. And he came about with, you know, the 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 hairstyles and the, the clothes, the dreadlocks, the, the, all, all the, the image stuff that went along with it at a time when, if you walk down the street in Kilkenny like that, you'd probably be bullied. But he was willing to to fight that through and to put up with that because he believed in it so much. He, he, he lived it, as I said, um, and he really did believe in it. And when I saw people like him coming down into the zoo, into the crowd and being respected the way that he was by the p- crowd that went there, I just thought, what does how good can that be for someone's confidence when you're looked upon by some people as being different? And maybe a target for that reason. Ross Costigan was the same. Um, and then you come into the zoo, and that's gone. You you don't have that stigma. You're 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 looked up to. Yeah. And Jimmy Trigger uh, and I mentioned Ross again. They were so looked up to in the zoo because they didn't care what people said to them. They didn't care if someone slagged them because of their haircut or because they were into heavy metal or whatever it was. They didn't care. They stayed going. They stayed true to themselves. Um, and I re—I really admired them for that. And the kids that came in really admired them for that. And as the years went on and they turned into adults, they still came down to the zoo. Hmm. And they looked after the younger kids that were coming up. And it was just brilliant. It was brilliant to see that. Bob Ryan.
2: It's your trigger finger. Um, I mean, for me, I knew Jimmy to see... Uh, Working in SNS, uh, bumped into him, chatted to him a few times, obviously because we're both fans and playing whatever. But I never, I'd never seen his trigger finger. I'd never seen him play live. And they won the battle of the bands, I think. And they played a gig, I think it was just after they won. And I just said, I was just in Kilkenny home practicing with Slave Zero that weekend on the Saturday, and I just said, guys, on the Sunday I'm going down to the zoo. I want to check out his trigger finger. I said I met James a few times. Uh, but he uh, was James back then to me. But uh, I uh, I met James a few times. i, I love to go check out his band because people have been saying nice things about him, you know. And I went down to watch Itchy Trigger Finger and I was just like, oh my God. Like, the it was, place was absolutely rammed. Like, unfortunately, it didn't have a stage. So I tried to get as close as I possibly could. But I mean, it's very hard when there's 200 people there. And the place is packed. And uh, very. I just remember it being very sweaty. Uh, But my God, the place was losing it. And Jimmy, I really got to see him perform. And he was just fantastic. And his band were fantastic. I know all the band members obviously now. And over time, myself and Jimmy got to be very, very good friends. But uh, seriously, I just, on a like I didn't know, like this is maybe 2002 or 2003, I didn't know him at the time. Uh, But just as a musician, I felt like they could fucking definitely get somewhere. You know, like the kind of, like, it's actually funny because the music they were playing, It was kind of the kind of post grunge kind of sound I felt to it. And I love it. And I still love Itchy Trigger Fringer's music. Uh, A lot of the er the early demos. I remember he didn't release the first demo when he gave it to me, and I thought it was fucking fantastic. Um, uh, But uh, um, I really just remember Itchy Trigger Trigger Finger being the band that I think I liked the most from Uncle Kenny.
0: Jamie Trigger.
2: It was the shit. We own
6: that. That's ours. And no one else can have it ever. I'm getting emotional oh that's so oh oh, I hate this emotions are horrible oh like it's just like that it was it was ours like it was like the 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 sense of pride beaming office was like oh my god like that I don't I don't even care what the legacy was for the people for the for the few lads that were part of it it was it made us who we are made it it was our life like you know I don't I don't even I don't care what you say oh our town yeah we had a great old music scene is that cool no you didn't ours was better end of story like you can ask me anything uh, uh, Jimmy are you, are, you, are you good at baking cakes no I'm not that good like sorry are you, are you able to I don't know do complex mathematics no i are you able to be part of uh, the best music scene in Ireland yes I was I was there I saw it end of story and you will never do it ever it's not going to happen
0: self-expression and professionalism Two characteristics that rarely go hand-in-hand, but when they do, you have something special. One man who epitomised both characteristics was the embodiment of everything the zoo represented, and that was photographer Ross Costigan. Steve
3: O'Brien. Ross took pictures of all the bands, man, and like, those pictures were in the Kilkenny people, they were all over the newspapers, weekly, like weekly. Man, when you're 16 and you see yourself in the in the Kilkenny people on a newspaper, like with your friends, with your baggy clothes and your Converse, you know, I mean that man put, you know, genuinely would have would have had a massive impact on people's lives that he probably didn't even realise because at the time, you're so young, and 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 to be given a platform like that and even just seeing him on his hands and knees when you're playing a song, down getting the angles, getting the shots, like you would in the Olympia, like you would in the Three Arena, like you would in any fucking big venue. Seeing Ross down there, like, working, getting the angles, it just made you feel like you were a rock star. Like, and it, it, it did. And every single person that I've ever spoken to about playing those gigs would be like, did you get in the paper this week? Did he put your picture up? You know, and and he was such a big part of that as well. Himself and Andrew, like, just, they it's such a good, you know, strategy, and, and it may, maybe, maybe it wasn't even a strategy, maybe it just came together, like, you know, naturally, but as a team, the two of them just had a down and they had a, that the venue had the gear, and then with, with, with Ross taking the pictures, I mean, I'll never forget, like, he took our picture at the back in the lane, you know, not live picture, and, like, I just felt like, Oh my god! Like this is this is this is happening? Like I'm, I'm gonna be famous, you know? And he was like, "No, I'll put your around there, lean back against the wall, and like, you know." And 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 Ross looked like my favorite musician, which is Travis Barker, you know, from Blink, the drummer. Like he was still my favorite musician, and like talk about wearing Converse and 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 your baggy jeans and, and expression and stuff. That dude, he was just himself. Like he was just the most authentic person. Visually, as I said, I never got to know him really, really well, but I heard a lovely guy, but, um, he was just authentically himself, like, 100% of the time, like, visually, like, he, big mohawk, man, like, a foot high off his head, like, baggier jeans than me, um, Pearsons, he just looked like a rock star, you know, and, and, having been in the same space as someone like that when you're that young and your might have a band at the time was Blink and and the way he treated everyone with such respect and you know, he's 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 pit he's all his pictures are probably still on the roof of Frank Salmon's post you know, shop with the posters, like and yeah, just like he was a big part of it as well. And uh, just because you brought it up the the professionalism of it, like it was I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough now to play shows and like the Olympia and and the INEC Arena and big 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 venues, most venues in Dublin and Twelvins, and like I, I I got more of a professional experience thinking back to it than probably playing those gigs because you had Ross, you had Andrew who mic'd up every single instrument on stage and you did a proper sound check and you know had your own wedges and like sometimes you don't even get that in in small gigs in Dublin's now like you know that you would think you would, um. So thinking back to that at such a young age, you. you It was as
4: professional as it could have gotten.
0: Evan Prendergast.
4: What I loved about Ross was like, if anyone tried to, to in any way, like put him down or say something, the lad is like the most witty, quick person that if you have a guy trying to rip the piss out of Ross, he doesn't even need to look at them. He'll just say something so snappy and everyone else in the rest of the room is laughing at the person that was trying to make fun of him. And it's like with ease because... You know, he'll, he he gets so used to hearing the same old shit. It's like, none of the insults that you're coming up with are original. Fair enough. If you come up with something really funny and original, yeah, oh, you got me. But it's just the same, like, you're not even trying here. That he's like, <laughs> I, do you do you have any idea how many times I've had, like, you know when you're in the shower and you just think of the best one, it's like, wait till I get to use that. What, yeah. Like that, done. Like, just <laughs> person put down. And it comes with the confidence of, Knowing what you want to do Being confident in what you In your ability to do it And knowing that if you get up there Like you're never I don't really remember any zoo gig That there was just nobody there Do you know what? There was just always a crowd there So you know right well It's like there's always going to be a market For what you're doing Do you know? The rise of the zoo had a profound impact on the future of Clekenny music.
0: However, the closing down of the club also had a pretty significant impact on the landscape of music within the county. Now many bands tend to go down the route of cover bands or become singer-songwriters. Original rock music seems to be falling to the wayside. In our hometown, a venue of that magnitude is something that is severely lacking, and the art form seems to be fading. It's important now to find out just why the club shut its doors. Jamie Trigger.
6: It's probably a, an accumulation of many things. It was probably oversaturation as well, because we got a little bit cocky about it, and we started putting it on, like, every two weeks, and it was almost every Saturday night and everything. And yeah. It was almost like we ran out of bands as well, like, so just... And then yeah like bands like slave zero went on to do kind of bigger shows or bigger things so like doing a click show was like kind of not it wasn't beneath them it was just like they'd only do it like maybe once a year or something you know because it would be a big event but um and like anything man once it gets popularized like everyone wants to do it but the thing is like before like when we did it like It wasn't the cool thing to do. Like we didn't, we didn't even know there were that many bands until there was like, oh, there's gonna be a battle of the bands. Will anyone want to do it? Yeah, twenty-something bands want to do it. I'm like, what? Oh, Jesus, we won't have to run this over six weeks. I'm Hmm. like, who knew there was twenty-something bands in a small town? Like you know, of young people. Like we were all young. Like there's no old bands in it. And then, as you said, they'd all come down and they're like, oh, I want to do that because I worked in. SNS at the time, the, the instrument store Uncle Kenny, and like business picked up, man. Like, you know, we were selling electric guitars and Marshall stacks to every Tom, Dick, and Harry kid that wanted one. And we do it, and like, not only that, like, it gets saturated, then the kind of the caliber goes down, and you're like, all right, well, it's not as good now. And it's just, yeah, when it, it, it happens, it's as you says, peaks and valleys. I'm not very emotional, like, so but even talking about this again, it was just like, god damn it, I don't like. I don't do well with emotions. Like, you know, I just like my skin's now cro- like tingling because you're telling me stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, and I'm feeling weird. I'm fidgeting with this hair thing. And I was just like, oh man, maybe it was like like maybe that was the best time of our lives. It, it's it's that's it was just a one of the best moments of our lives, I think for sure.
4: Evan Prendergast. With the kind of ages and crowds that were like actively playing the gigs, they We're gradually getting older. We're all kind of getting older. And then we started being like, hey, we can play in clears now. Mm. Or we can play upstairs in the pump house. And you had this time where you were getting the bands doing a Saturday night in clears. And then Sunday morning in the zoo. But as time starts going on, it started becoming more and more... um, bands were coming down to play a Saturday night in Clears or Pump House or doing like Palooza or, you know, something like that, that they're just gradually and gradually were less younger bands and the bands that kind of started it and were that huge movement were growing to a certain age that then they started like really pushing outside Kenny.
1: Andrew McGuinness. The end sticks out because it was over a weekend, and we knew it was all over, and it was just... You're, you're catching me on the hop now, I'm getting caught in my throat, but it was just... Um, we hugged, we enjoyed each other's company, um, plenty of free drink was put out to the over 18s that night, and just the vibe that I got off everyone made me feel that i really did something that was important and special at that time and appreciated by those people and i didn't know when i got to the end i didn't know that it had that much of an impact until it was all over and everyone was saying oh man this is this is it like so that night was was the big thing that stands out in my head and I told you before that I have a hard drive at home full of all those pictures and everything else I haven't brought myself to pull them all out you know but I will I will eventually and uh, we, we'll, we'll get them out there for everyone to see and hopefully uh, relive a, a fantastic time when the zoo was there they felt like rock stars mm. that the youngsters were stopping them out in the street that they were dressing like them that they were doing all this kind of stuff and that they were really looking up to them and then all of a sudden it stopped And they talk about the impact it had on their own mental health. And I was listening to it. I was like, wow, I I never I never thought that it would have that much of an effect on someone. And then for it to be taken away from them, Hmm. you know, I I felt responsible for that because I, I couldn't I didn't have anywhere else to continue doing those gigs. but. I never realised how important it was to all of those people all of those years later and that's after giving me great encouragement to, to to think about you know, either putting something together myself or helping somebody else that's younger than me that's more in touch with the bands or whatever is going on to do it I just would love to see it yeah. happening again um, not necessarily to have to own it myself but just to see it there, that that scene is there for people like me when I was growing up, like you when you were growing up and everybody else involved in it that don't necessarily like to play hurling or, you know, growing up in Kilkenny and not playing hurling is hard enough. <laughs> but growing up in Kilkenny and not playing and putting all your energy into playing music and not having anywhere to play it is really hard. And I know that as a musician myself um, and far too often Uh, young bands and I would have been one of them get sucked into playing cover songs and getting into the cover music scene where you can get paid to play in a pub and then you have gigs every weekend as opposed to playing your own songs and not having the gigs but every once in a while just one gig of your own material is just mind blowing for someone that writes songs and I really would love to see that platform being there for those youngsters again.
0: The zoo was a place for so many people to call home. The legacy it leaves behind is seen in the friendships, bonds and careers forged since the day it opened its doors. Ozzy Osbourne once said, I'm into rock and roll because rock and roll means to me freedom. I think that's what it meant to all of us. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom to bands like Infected Prayer, Bloom Merrill, Take the Bullets, Dionysus, Day Charger, Relinquish, Tame, Mike Got Spiked, and countless others. I miss that feeling. I loved that feeling. It's been so long. So long funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television license fee.